This is episode 422 of the AWS podcast, released on January 31st, 2021. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Sam Alicia here with you. Great to have you back. And it's an exciting introductory launch episode to talk about today. And I'm joined by Chris Porter, who's a product manager for the Amazon Fraud Detector Service. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, because this is a really interesting new capability. I think it's going to be relevant to a lot of our customers and in ways they may not expect. So maybe let's start with the, the basics. What is Amazon Fraud Detector? So Amazon Fraud Detector is a new fully managed ML service that helps any business create a world-class fraud detection model. Uh, there's there's no need to have any ML experience. So it's really about bringing the right data, pointing fraud detector to it, and letting the hard work of uh, you know the ML heavy lifting let uh, Amazon Fraud Detector take care of that. So detecting fraud is, of course, simple, easy, and trivial. <laughs> it's not a hard problem at all. Right. <laughs> so tell us where, the, where this come from, because I'm guessing that a, a, a little part of our own organization might uh, have invested a little bit of time in this kind of discipline. Yeah, so to give you a, a little bit of additional context and backstory, our team uh, who built Amazon Fraud Detector uh, actually protects AWS, the greater AWS, um, and all the AWS services from fraud. So our, you know, many years before we even sort of started thinking about building Fraud Detector, um, you know, we've had to design and develop the systems to protect AWS and our customers from things like transaction fraud or account takeover, which is where, you know, bad actors hack into legitimate AWS users' accounts and sort of over the years, um, you know, we've faced a lot of different challenges trying to solve for these problems, both kind of looking at the breadth of different fraud MOs, which are, you know, different fraud types, um, as well as sort of just the, how do you design fraud systems that scale with AWS's growth? And with that, uh, you know, we can get into a lot of the sort of lessons learned, really sort of how do we leverage machine learning to help us scale to solve for these problems. And, and really, the genesis of Amazon Fraud Detector is sort of taking a lot of those lessons learned from our, our years of research and our experience building fraud detection models, and then empowering you know, customers, AWS customers, to sort of use those same techniques and practices to, to build models uh, for, for their fraud problems. Let, let's talk a bit about what, what sort of makes those models work, because it's interesting, because on, on the, on the sort of in the first instance, you think, okay, well, we have to do this at scale and at velocity. So uh, machine learning seems like a good fit versus human beings. Um, however, just throwing machine learning at something doesn't fix everything. There's the <laughs> the nuance of what is the model, how do you train it, et cetera. Tell us about some of those, those uh, hard-won lessons that the team went through to then be able to feed into this particular service. Yeah, there's, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, just throwing machine learning at a problem isn't really going to solve anything. Uh, and it, it takes both sort of the domain expertise of how do you think about detecting fraud and then kind of coupling that with sort of the, the core machine learning techniques. But if, if you really break it down, there's, there's some fundamental questions like what sort of data do you need to train these models? Like what are some features that are indicative that 
you can use to detect fraud, and whether that's, you know, IP addresses or email addresses or billing and shipping information. And really, more importantly, how do you transform those raw features into useful signals to, to detect fraud? Other things, for example, are what sorts of algorithms work best on these types of problems. You know, there, there's a, a variety of different things you can use to try to tackle this problem, but kind of which ones work at scale and across a variety of fraud domains. And another big problem sort of in the fraud space is just super imbalanced data sets. I mean, this is very much a needle in a haystack type problem. And there's sort of different techniques happening behind the scenes to sort of sample and uh, weight different uh, sort of classifications of fraud and legitimate events differently to take care of a lot of those problems with super imbalanced data sets. And finally, how do you scale sort of this model? Like, how do you actually put it into production? And really, sort of all of those hard questions are, are, are taking, taking care of for the user in fraud detector. So given all those components, how do I have to think about this? Like, how do I start detecting fraud in, in my own context, whatever that might be? Yeah, so to, to use Amazon fraud detectors, there's, there's really uh, just a couple steps. But sort of the first step is to think about what event you want to evaluate for fraud. And an event is essentially any point um, in your business, a kind of a key critical point where a user might take an action, for example, a transaction, or um, it might be a new account registration. But first is to just pick what event you want to detect fraud and sort of define the structure around that event. And by structure, it's things like what variables do you collect at, at that event? For example, if it's a transaction event, it might be price, billing information, shipping information, things along those lines, um, as well as who is actually doing the event. Once you define the event, um, you upload some historical data. Usually it's somewhere between a couple weeks and a couple months of historical uh, data. So that could be like six months worth of transaction events. And you point uh, Amazon Fraud Detector to that historical data, which is uploaded in S3. Uh, and then you sort of specify a couple parameters about the model building process, like which variables you want to include, how to classify fraud, you know, which uh, sort of which subsets of the events do you classify as fraud and which ones you classify as legitimate. And then you pretty much let the model train. Uh, it takes anywhere from 30 minutes to a couple hours, depending on the data set size. And at, at the end of that process, you have a fraud detection, fraud detector model fully trained. Um, and, and you can sort of examine the output metrics to see sort of what's the accuracy, et cetera. And once you have the model, you pair that with what we call a detector, which is essentially the, the business logic uh, that's driving the fraud detection. Uh, by business logic, I mean sort of like rules. You could think about it like uh, if uh, you know, the model score is greater than 900, then sideline for investigation. So some sort of if-then sort of expression where you codify your business logic. It, it can be... This, these rules in the detector can be anything from just interpreting the model score to you know, certain regex or certain patterns you see in your variables, et cetera. So once you have 
your model, you have your detector, the business logic, uh, you would deploy that. And you can generate fraud predictions by using uh, the Git event prediction API. So the next time you have a new event, the, the transaction event, you would call the Git event prediction and synchronously receive a res res response. So it's a, it's a synchronous call and you'd get the model score back for any models that you have trained and deployed, as well as any outcomes based on the business logic you configured. And, and really, you can, you can take this API and integrate it with sort of any system or workflow that you currently have. So if you're an online retailer and uh, you, know, you have a checkout flow system and you want to detect fraud in it, uh, you could integrate the Git event prediction API and sort of for each new transaction, call fraud detector, check whether it's high risk or not, and sort of act appropriately based on that uh, response. So you can change your own your own application workflow based on the responses from those API calls, but, but I guess in, exactly. term, in terms of where they where, where are these models hosted and, and how do you make sure they're fresh and are working? Because you know it's it's one thing to train a model; it's another thing to keep it relevant to, I guess, the situation in which it's operating. Yeah, good good question. So, one the, the models are quite robust uh, in the sense that they uh, it's it's quite difficult for fraudsters to kind of navigate around them. We see that they uh, held up over time, but they do need refreshing. Today, the refreshing process is, uh, is a manual process in the sense that you would, you would go to the model, uh, you would upload a, a new sort of batch of data and click retrain. So it's a sort of a, a manual retraining cadence. We do have things on the roadmap to think more about how to automate that process for customers so that we just continue to have this retraining flywheel to um, uh, you know, make it make that process easier. And what about in terms of figuring out, is, is the model working? And, and I guess this also ties into the customer experience because there's a, a natural tension between wanting to detect fraud and, and looking at anything that's questionable versus not uh, having false positives affect the customer experience going, hey, you've been tagged for a questionable transaction when it wasn't. And then as a customer, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to do business with you anymore. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much every business has that question um, and it, it, it falls onto the fraud prevention team to sort of balance detecting more fraud, but minimizing the friction to legitimate customers. And it's a tenant for pretty much any fraud prevention team. And so we want to make it easy in Amazon Fraud Detector to interpret these metrics specifically for the models uh, you know, that are trained. So we have a sort of a interactive metrics dashboard that helps outline sort of what is the true positive rate. And by true positive rate, uh, I mean how much fraud does it catch out of the total fraud population? And on the opposite of that, you know, what sort of false positive rate would you expect? And by false positive rate, I mean misclassifying legitimate events. So the model classifies it as fraud, but it's actually legitimate. And, and you want to minimize those, obviously, uh, you know, to, that would be adding friction to legitimate customers. Uh, and you want to maximize the true positive rate. And there, it's sort of in any uh, classification model, there's a balance there. And what we try to do with Amazon Fraud Detector is to empower the business, the user, to figure out that right balance. And so with all of our 
trained models, you can essentially uh, you know use this model performance page to kind of optimize what's the right point to pick in terms of true positive rate and false positive rate. And uh, these metrics are produced on what we call a holdout sample. So it's, it's pretty much a blind test. The model has never seen any of this data. It's all, and this is all taken care of behind the scenes. And we test how the model would perform in, in sort of production. So you, like even before you put it into production, you can have a, a good sense of how it should perform. The, some of the metrics we have there are kind of the usual um, you know, machine learning metrics like area under the curve, AUC, um, some confusion matrices, as well as some uh, sort of distri score distribution plots that uh, you can play around with to, to kind of figure out and optimize what's that right sort of true positive to false positive mix for, for your business. So it's really on ongoing tweaking and tuning, but I guess out of the box, if you think about some of the use cases, it really uh, applies to with a, a generally good fit. What are some of the use cases you're seeing our customers really pointing this out to, to, to make most benefit from? Yeah, so, the, uh, so let me take one step back and sort of explain the, the, the model itself. Sure. Um, and then we can kind of talk to sort of what are the, the various use cases that it can apply to. In fraud detector, we have this concept of a model type. And you can think of a model type as a sort of a, a recipe for the machine learning pipeline that builds the model. The first model type that we have is uh, the online fraud insights model, the OFI model for short. And OFI um, essentially is designed to be very flexible in the sense that it can cover a, a pretty wide variety of use cases depending on what input features you provide it. Um, so depending on that event that you define, um, OFI sort of can adapt to detect fraud in, in a variety of use cases. And it, to, to cover, you know, a couple sort of, of the ones we see customers using, transaction fraud is a big one. So that's at sort of the, the moment of, uh, you know, checkout for, for example, an on, online retailer, determining whether that online transaction is going to lead to a chargeback, uh, which is essentially, you know, someone disputing that uh, it was a fraudulent charge. It, and, and to adapt, OFI to sort of fit that use case, you would just define a transaction event and provide features like price or billing history or shipping history, sort of things around the transaction. Now, on, on the other hand, we've seen customers adapt OFI for what we call new account fraud. And that's when a bad actor joins a platform and just is a sort of a new entity. You've never seen them before. Maybe they're and they're sort of trying to commit fraud, and they just keep coming back. We call that new account fraud. And similarly to how you sort of adapt OFI for transaction, you can modify OFI by defining maybe a new account registration event. So first define that event, and sort of what do you collect during account registration? Like maybe it's the email address of the user, maybe it's their phone number. Um, maybe it's some IP information from where they're logging in, et cetera. And so you would just pick sort of a different subset of variables um, and kind of build a new account fraud model with OFI as well. So we see customers adapting it to a variety of use cases. And it really, again, it depends on 
sort of what event are you evaluating and what type of fraud do you want to catch? And what about if your use case kind of goes beyond that or you maybe have invested in a lot of data science already to to understand your particular needs around fraud, but you still are interested in the service. Can you can you bring your own model? How does that work? Yeah, there's many teams who have already built models or um, you know have a, a dedicated data science team. And in Fraud Detector, we want to support that use case. And the the, the way we support it is through SageMaker. So if if your team has built a model in SageMaker, you know maybe it's a uh, anomaly detection model, or maybe it's a a transaction fraud model, and you want to import that into fraud detector, you can do so. So we essentially, you would host your endpoint in SageMaker, um, and then define a template sort of in fraud detector that lets us talk with that SageMaker endpoint. So, uh, you know, for the next event that comes in and you want to evaluate for fraud, we would reach out to SageMaker score the event through that model and then run it through, uh, you know, the detector, any rules engine or business logic you've defined. So kind of with this integration, you can couple the best of both worlds. You can have models that you've built in SageMaker. um, You know, if you have a dedicated team building models there and you can combine that with models you've built in Amazon fraud detector and the, the detector itself, the rules engine and those components. So it's, it's, we're really trying to empower customers to sort of, pick the best path for them depending on what resources they have. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now, in terms of who's actually been using it, obviously uh, during the, the beta program, the early access, et cetera, I've had a lot of customers using it and now it's generally available. Um, tell us some, some customer stories. Who's using it and what are they finding? Yeah, so and we can talk about a couple different examples. GoDaddy is, is one and they sell... Uh, online domains and sort of help customers get their websites up and running. They were looking sort of for a solution and they were contemplating, you know, building in-house or sort of looking for other fraud solutions. And through the beta program, they tested Amazon Fraud Detector and and talked about, you know, the the things that they really liked were sort of the self-service aspect of it. They just went in and built a model and were up and running and really liked the sort of pay-as-you-go model. So they had they were in total control in terms of how they used it, how they onboarded it to it, um, and sort of you know, determining how they would like to, to, to use the product for their fraud situation. Another customer is Active Campaign. So Active Campaign is a company that helps customers run email marketing campaigns. And they were getting sort of this new fraud vector where bad actors were joining active campaign and then doing uh, phishing schemes. So they would blast a whole bunch of, uh, you know, different users and do these like phishing emails that you'd get in your inbox. Right. And active campaign was looking for a solution that, uh, you know, sort of fit their current architecture and that they could easily incorporate machine learning into their current uh, account registration workflow. So they tried out Fraud Detector um, and found you know, great performance uh, and integrated the API into their registration workflow so that they could dynamically change how do we sideline high-risk you know, new account registrations and leave 
the good customers with no additional friction. And then one other customer is Truvo, and they're a, a payment services provider, and they were in a situation where they needed to sort of evaluate how to revamp their fraud detection platform. And they were right at the point where they were thinking about, you know, do we build something in-house or kind of looking at different vendors when they heard about uh, fraud detector at reInvent. And they, similar to the other customers, just kind of went on and tried building their first detector and they built their business logic within essentially 30 minutes, their first trial and started sort of testing out the service. <laughs> That's amazing. And what they you know, really liked was the integrations with other AWS components. So out of the box, you know, we're integrated with CloudWatch um, and CloudTrail. And so using CloudWatch, they were able to essentially build a real-time monitoring fraud detection system where the rules and business logic that they've written couple with CloudWatch so that when they see anomalous activity, they immediately get alarmed and can take action. So, uh, and, and this is super important for any fraud detection platform because part of the game is seeing these, it's inevitable that the fraudsters are going to try to attack you and, and sometimes beat you, unfortunately. It happens. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so being, having that you know, real-time monitoring and then being able to react to it quickly was, was key for Truvo. And you know, they found that in sort of the interactions with, with Cloud, CloudWatch. And so how do customers get started? I think there's a few interesting ways people can get going. What, what would you recommend? Yeah, so um, the product is now generally available. So you can just navigate to uh, Amazon Fraud Detector and, and really just test it out yourself. So we have the getting started guides, both for the console as well as the, the APIs. Um, and we have a couple example data sets that you can test out the service with. So you can kind of tinker around and, and build a couple example models. And then if you want like more information and in terms of you know, code samples and things like that, we have uh, a GitHub repository, uh, which we're continually updating with examples of how to, you know, how to build models, how to create batch predictions. Um, so, uh, so, and some other cool things where, uh, you know, kind of, laying it out in notebook fashion where you can just kind of step through the notebook to learn more about the APIs and how they work. And, and you also wrote a, a really interesting blog post with Mike Ames where you, you walk people through doing a proof of concept using Amazon Fraud Detector too, which I think also helps kind of with a, like a step-by-step guide of how you would set it up, what you might do. So that's also, I think, a, a really handy resource for people who just want to go through the whole process end-to-end. Yeah, the genesis of that blog post is customers, you know, saw the getting started guide and saw the GitHub examples, and they they wanted a little bit more about how do I think about running a POC? Like, how should I think about success when I'm trying out fraud detector? And there's a couple different ways to think about that, including sort of you know, the obvious ones like decreasing fraud, but other sort of more nuanced ones like how do you actually measure improvement to a fraud detection system? Is it is it detecting stuff earlier? Is it reducing false positives? Is it reducing manual investigations, which are costly? So that it, we help sort of outline and sort of paint the picture of, you know, what does a successful POC look like with fraud detector? As well as just some logistical things like how long does it take uh, and things like that. 
Hey, Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show and telling us all about Amazon Fraud Detector. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited the service is launched in GA and uh, excited for customers to try it out. Yeah, it's always fascinating to see what people do with things and uh, we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.